Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All we did was hit. <laughs> it was uh, it was very taxing on the body, to say the least. But uh, I do think it helped us a lot. I mean, we were definitely tougher than any team we played. I remember my freshman year, uh, me and Sheldon Rankin were rooming in fall camp. And it was like day three, and I just walked in the room, looked at each other like, man, I don't know if I want to play football, though. No. <laughs> Welcome into episode seven of From the Pink Seats. Where are they now? I'm your host, Jacob Blaine, joined as always by my good buddy here, Vincent Lococo. And tonight we've got a another great episode planned for you as another guest stops by for Where Are They Now? From the Pink Seats podcast. Subscribe anywhere that you get your shows from. Rate, review, do all that good stuff. Vincent Lococo, how are you, my friend? It's great to see you uh, on a midweek episode, and uh, we get to talk to a former teammate of yours tonight. I'm great. It's nice to, you know, kind of be back in our regular flow of a Wednesday night recording, especially just us two with no no Matt tonight as he ditches us for, you know, the other football sport. So, which is odd enough. I don't think he writes for Loose City, but it's whatever, Jacob. It's it's whatever. It's whatever. D'Angelo Brown, a guest tonight on Where Are They Now? 107 career tackles, 22 tackles for loss, five sacks, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. Played from uh, 2012 to 2016. 2012 to 2016 is a long time to play football for Louisville. That's like modern day Louisville players who were there for nine <laughs> had, years. He's had nothing but good football, man. That's like right. his, his, entire, his entire time at Louisville was nothing but enjoyable football. <laughs> I would be interested to see where he stacks up in terms of, you know, one of the winningest players in program history playing from 12 to, to 17 or 12 to 16, whatever I said. He's got to be up there. Yeah, man. Uh, absolutely. And one of the things that's really interesting about D'Angelo, and we'll get into this tonight on the show, is he played on a, a set of some of the best defenses in program history from playing in those back the back half of the Charlie Strong era uh, and then also, obviously, playing for Bobby Petrino early on with Todd Grantham. And there's a lot of things to talk about with D'Angelo Brown because a lot happened. A lot of winning happened primarily, but a lot of personal success, 
um, obviously a lot of team success, but there were some, some moments, some very key moments that will be really interesting to get D'Angelo Brown's perspective on. And of course, we'll dive into another edition of screen share and rapid fire tonight uh, with D'Angelo to make this episode uh, uh, another one of the greats here on from the pink seats podcast. Vince, any, any last thoughts here before we jump into the episode with D'Angelo? I mean, just how you mentioned it, I'm intrigued to hear his thought on, you know, these defenses. Cause I mean, I was only a part of a team with D'Angelo for on a 20, the 2016 team, but uh, the, I mean, those were some stacked teams with pass rushers at the wazoo uh, safeties that could come down in the box and play linebacker for you. Just so much, uh, so many different things that Todd Grantham could do because he had the dudes out there on the field. That's one of those times Jacobs where we could like straight up out dude somebody. We didn't really need, the right scheme or whatever we could just line up play ball and win the game off of stellar defensive play and Lamar Jackson hopefully those days uh getting back to that aren't uh too far ahead man but that's the hope here and that's why we're doing this right now is to get us <laughs> excited and jazz for for the brighter days of Louisville football to come again we can't thank you all enough for tuning into the show each week it has been uh, just a fantastic start to the series, and we'll keep it going for a few more weeks here before we get into the the thick of things leading up to the uh, beginning of the 2023 football season. Crazy enough, man, we're almost there. It doesn't feel like the, lo- the offseason's been that bad. Really exciting stuff to, to get into tonight, and that's exactly what we'll do now as uh, we welcome D'Angelo Brown into From the Pink Seats. Where are they now? All right, now we're excited to jump into the the fun part of the show here. We welcome in our guest tonight. As I mentioned, episode seven, uh, we're we're jumping back into the defensive line. Do you know it's been a big theme of the show is defensive linemen. D'Angelo Brown, welcome into from the Pink Seats podcast. How are you, my friend? Good, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, of course. Well, we're excited to have you on. As I mentioned, I think it's like third or fourth defensive lineman uh, when you look back at Jonathan Grenard, Lozo, uh, Devon Thomas, and now yourself. So I, I think that's a trend here. I like that. See, you, man, I know it's been a while since you played for Louisville, but uh, as we mentioned, one of the most dominant defensive linemen that Louisville has had in a long time. Uh, we've got a lot to get into because really, uh, you know, all you did was win, man. Like when you look back on it, <laughs> is that kind of like the, you could just hold on like to, at the end of the day, like we just won football games no matter what. Yeah, for sure, man. I tell people down here in Savannah all the time, I'm like, y'all don't understand. When I was in college, we we were ranked every year I was there, I believe. And, uh, I mean, we won a lot of football games, got a chance to put a lot of great dudes, a lot of talented people. So, man, I, I enjoyed it. A lot. You're speaking of a lot of great dudes, and I guess I'll go ahead and, and we'll, we'll end up bouncing around the whole podcast. But I got to play a little bit with Lamar with you guys Uh you know, you also got a taste of Teddy too. What was the what were the similarities between the two of those guys, and what was it like being on the field with uh, both of them? I mean, they're two of the best quarterbacks in school history. Oh yeah, man! It was at the time. I don't think I really realized. Like, man, these two guys are like two Hall of Fame dudes that I'm playing with. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's crazy to uh, be able to just play with both of those guys. I mean, uh, both from South Florida, both great dudes off the field as well. Um, it was a blessing, man. There are definitely the big reason why we were running a lot of games. I mean, it's just you don't you don't have <laughs> come two on guys now. Like that. Y'all, the defense, the defense, in my opinion, was, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, L did his thing at quarterback in 16 and 17, but that defense in 16 that I was around was just one of the best ones that easily the best one I've ever been around. Just dudes that fly around to the football, yourself at D-line, like the commanding force at D-line and being able to watch Keith and Stacy just like move so freely was actually it was pretty incredible 
Oh, yeah, without a doubt, man. Now, don't get me wrong. Our defenses, every year I was there was great. I think my sophomore year, um, my redshirt sophomore year, every guy that was on that defense signed an NFL contract, which was just insane. Um, we were we were good, man. We were good. It's it's crazy to think back uh, upon those days where it was just guys in the NFL all over the field, a bunch of guys still playing to this day. Um, and it's just it really has become night and day to where we are. But we'll get into that at another time. Let's talk about the challenges and some of the, you know, the unique, uh, I guess, kind of parts of your career is going through the transition from Coach Strong uh, to Coach Petrino. Obviously, we've talked with a bunch of guys who played for both, and they've kind of described how Coach Strong was, you know, and then versus how Coach Petrino was. But what was your transition like? What was it like going from Coach Bedford on the defensive side to Todd Grantham and, and just kind of how was that transition overall? Um, I just looked at it as a challenge, really. I looked at it as a challenge to just uh, reprove myself again because um, I was hurt going into the 2014 season. I didn't play at all in 2013. So, um, I mean, Coach, I didn't, really didn't have a lot of film to go off of. I played, I think, like six or seven games my freshman year. Um, so I really was trying to prove myself. Um, but I, I, I think both coaches and both staffs were good. I think, you know, they're drastically different in a lot of different areas, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say that's a bad thing, you know, just whatever floats your boat. So it was, I feel like it was good. It was a good transition. I love hearing like the guys, cause I got coach P from 16 all the way through 18. So I got to see it at like the lowest of the low. And yeah. when we were winning with you guys, everything was just sweet and peachy. I mean, he still gave his ass rippings and stuff And 18, man, you felt every single one of them ass rippings. from I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, man. Um, I, I genuinely enjoyed playing for both coaches. Um, I enjoyed them both coaching me. They both coached hard. Um, they both wanted to win, and I, and I definitely can appreciate that for sure. When did you start to feel confident on the defensive line? Because like you said, you got some playing time early and stuff, and then you felt like you had to reprove yourself. So was that coming in spring ball, fall camp? When did you start to feel confident in yourself as a player? Um, I really felt confident. It was my red shirt sophomore year. I think we played Boston College. Um, and I had a great game. I think it had like seven or eight tackles or something like that. And I just felt I felt like my old self. And up until that point, you know, I missed the whole 2013 season, didn't get to play. Um, you know, was just wanting to be out there with the guys bad. And I felt like that game just kind of flipped the switch for me. And uh, we just took off from there. Was it in 2012, obviously, you know, Louisville goes through the highest of the highs and getting to the uh, Sugar Bowl and winning that. And then in 2013, when the, the year that you set out with the injury, obviously not not as the kind of the game that you wanted to in terms of the magnitude, but still finished with a very similar record. Um, you know, obviously there was, you know, kind of looking forward to when Coach Petrino comes in, there was this, you know, um, continuation of all these guys continuing to be here and continuing to kind of carry that torch. But for you personally, seeing those two seasons under Coach Strong and, and you know, winning so many games, um, kind of what did you take away or kind of how did you allow that to mold you in terms of like, we got to win, we got to win, you know, like did that impact you seeing that? I know you didn't play a ton your freshman year, but just seeing it overall, did it kind of push you forward the next couple of years? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was the standard. You know, the standard was we're going to play great defense we're going to score and we're going to win football games no matter um, whatever it takes. So, I mean, that was the standard and that was the mindset of all the guys going into that coach Petrino era. I mean, we just, we just knew how to win and, you know, we just didn't accept losing. So um, it was great to just learn from a lot of the older guys and uh, try to, 
get my feet wet and I learned from the guys around me. I mean, it was, it was good. Vince likes to ask this a lot, but just what was practice like, you know, 2013, 2012, I know obviously you dealt with the injury, but what were those practices like where you're talking about like 15, 20 NFL guys, man. I mean, it's like you could fill almost an entire starting lineup with just, I just remember all y'all talking about just the amount of hitting y'all did, like just how much just banging it was just clacking all the time. Yes. All, all we did was hit. (laughs) It was, uh, it was very taxing on the body to say the least, but, uh, I do think it helped us a lot. I mean, we were definitely tougher than any team we played, but, uh, I mean, it, it was a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I remember my freshman year, uh, me and Sheldon Rankins were rooming in fall camp and it was like day three. And I just walked in the room. We just looked at each other like, man, I don't know if I want to play football. No <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was good, man. Uh, it was very intense, obviously playing with, um, and against a lot of guys that got a chance to play in the NFL, I mean, you know, it just raises your level of, of competition and raises the standards. So, you know, practices were – they were tough, man. Practices were definitely much harder than the games, I'll say that. What what was it like? Because you guys were the last uh, – one of the last eras of just full two-a-days uh, during fall camp. I don't think there was any real regulation. might have been like two days on, one day off, like two days of two-a-days, and then you had to have one day off. So what were those like? Because I remember sleeping underneath a pool table – racing to get up to the players' lounge to get to that one couch on the side of the wall that everybody loved to sleep on. So yeah. what was that like for y'all? It was tough, man. Um, really, it, it was it was a lot of, of mental stress, just trying to get yourself back up for another practice after we just practiced for two, <laughs> maybe three hours that morning. Uh, it, it was tough, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was a lot. Um, I do think that you know, in some ways it helped. And I think in some ways it just, it, it was hell. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> but I'm curious, you mentioned Sheldon Rankins being your roommate. Uh, that's, a, you know, when you talk about defensive tackles playing together, I mean, you can't really have a conversation about Sheldon without mentioning yourself. You two were, uh, you know, in terms of a pair, probably the most dominant interior lineman pair I've ever seen in my lifetime. I would be curious for people older than myself, but what was that like, man? I mean, obviously looking at where he is now, did you kind of realize that 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 was coming for him? Like that he was going to be an NFL, you know, big time player when you all were coming up together and, and how did you all kind of sharpen each other? You know, iron sharpens iron. How did you all get each other better and continue to push each other, you know, game after game practice after practice? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, I remember when we first got to Louisville and I think, I mean, I don't think I was the, the strongest in the weight room and we got ready to run. I'm like, I mean, I can, I can move a little bit. I know I'm not, I'm not the fastest, but I can move. And I remember lining up with Sheldon and I'm like, this dude is just like 15 yards ahead of everybody as a D-tackle. I'm like, this ain't, this ain't normal. This is not normal. So that's when I knew like, all right, yeah, he, he's definitely gonna, gonna play a long time, but man, just, we were best friends. Well, still are. We're best friends off the field. Uh, we talk a lot still. Um, and obviously that translated to on the field as well, man. We, we push each other a lot. I work hard. He worked hard. Um, and it kind of just molded on the field. Like we had this thing when we were on the field together, we didn't have to talk because we spent so much time together off the field. Like, you know, if we saw something that the office was doing or a formation change. We didn't even have to talk about it. We just automatically move. We automatically shift. <laughs> it, was, it was great, man. It was great. 
Talk a little bit about the X's and O's. I want to hear just a breakdown, right? So you and Sheldon are lining up side by side. What is he doing and what are you doing, right? Obviously, I know y'all are just moving the, you know, the F out of people in front of you, but what was the game plan on how he attacked and how you two worked together to attack simultaneously well, within the defense? What was your all's favorite stunt? We'll say there you that was. Okay. Stunts, I like uh, that. Anything like that. Ooh, favorite stunt. And you I'll- knew that like it was going to get home if you and Sheldon, if y'all ran it together. Yeah, I would definitely say probably a star slug out of the nickel base, or uh, if you remember that one, and uh, probably Steeler out of base. I mean, just getting him moving with the way he moves and getting me to move a little bit. I mean, it was we, we knew somebody was gonna make a play if we didn't make it. I mean, we played with great guys. I mean, we had Devontae Fields, uh, Keith Kelsey, Josh Harvey Clemens. I mean, we were, we were loaded, man. I mean, if James Hearns. Trayvon, I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> we no, were, and that's we were just the back, the back that's half the, of your career, man. The front half is even more loaded than that. It really yeah. is crazy, man. I mean, it's yeah. just nuts. We were talking about how uh, before you were on in the intro, like how you could – that defense had the capability to bring Josh down into the box and play him so fluidly like a linebacker that it was almost a unfair matchup for that slot receiver to be matched up with Josh because yeah. he's so long and everything, and it's not like – that slot's going to be able to block him on an edge or anything like that. No. So, no, I mean, no. I mean th- th- you had 11 dudes you legitimately had to worry about either getting a sack, coming through on a stunt. And, uh, I mean, it was wild to watch you guys for sure. And yeah, then uh, in 14 and 15, uh, Coach P was struggling with which guy he wanted to uh, go at quarterback and stuff. So, to, our, to us, it looked like the defense was holding everything down. Did you guys feel that uh, responsibility and that pressure to kind of uh, – hold it down as the offense was struggling to find its footing? Oh, for sure. I mean, the year before that, I think we may have been like the number one or number two. I know we were a top 10 defense the year before that. So going into that season, we already knew the defense was going to be the strength of the team. Um, like I said, we had all 11 guys on that 2014 team signed NFL contracts. Um, so we already knew that, you know, we were going to be the, the base of the team. We we're going to be the glue that held the team together. So, um, we definitely felt like we did it the best we could. We felt like we did a good job. Um, but, yeah, I definitely would say we were trying to hold it down for the offense. You're, you're shrugging your shoulders, Matt. You're talking to a guy that in 2018 won two games. We won two games, D'Lo. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, we, we went nine and four and eight and five. Oh, just, it's whatever. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. Okay. Though. I, I mean, because, you, you know, you're talking about Louisville building up to, a, you know, a legitimate national championship run, which we'll get to here in a second. But, you know, obviously – 2015 is where the quarterback situation starts to kind of turn itself around uh, with Lamar Jackson getting footing and eventually becoming the starter late in the season. But it was that next season that it really starts to look up for Louisville is, you know, obviously the Syracuse and Charlotte games. I mean, Lamar had like 15 touchdowns and six quarters of action before the Florida State game, which we're definitely going to get into that. But I'm just curious, you know, we're going to talk about some of the allure of Lamar Jackson, but was there pressure playing with him? You know, during that run in 2016, like when he is becoming the talk of every sports show, he is, you know, the the face of college football for a season. Like, was there pressure on you all defensively or even just as a team to make sure that like you all weren't the reason that Lamar doesn't win a Heisman? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, our team and Vince can attest to this. The 2016 team was just different, man. We were all I felt like we were all very close. Um, I felt like everyone had each other's back, no matter if you were a starter or a backup. It didn't matter. Like, we all just were were close and tight. 
Um, and Lamar's part of that group as well. I mean, Lamar's a, a great dude on and off the field. Um, we just wanted to get our job done. If we knew that he was going to take care of the rest, I mean, that was, <laughs> I mean, we knew we didn't have to worry about scoring points. We just had to stop people. So. Well, let me, let me talk on that a little bit. You guys, you and Keith and Josh, all you guys, the old heads, y'all, you know, laid that foundation and made everyone so tight and made everyone, you know, come together. I remember numerous player only meetings where I'm like, oh, fuck. D-Lo's about to go out there and talk. Like, hope I ain't do nothing. It's stupid. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think definitely uh, that was something that was instilled in us from the guys that were before us. Um, you know, the Brandon Dunn's, Roy Fallon's, Marcus Smiths, and Lorenzo Maldon's, people like that. Um, they instilled that leadership and that camaraderie within, within us, and we just kind of carried it on, man. It was great. Louisville, obviously, I know you have the moments in 20 in 2012, 2013 with the Sugar Bowl, but Louisville is never like, you know, you, even when Louisville is ranked, they're not looked at as like an Alabama, Ohio State. You know, they're not the top player is never up there with like some of the best in the country. They might be one of the best in the conference, but they're not one of the most talked about players in the country. You're talking about in this season, like all eyes are on Lamar and are on Louisville for you all. You know, what was that like in the heat of that? Did you all feel? legitimately we have a chance to play for a national championship i think that year for sure after the florida state game we we definitely felt like we could play for a national championship um i still felt like we could have played for a national championship that year without a doubt and we just had a couple a couple plays just didn't go our way late in the year but i mean there was no doubt in our mind that we could we could not beat anybody that we played that year i mean we were very confident like i said we were a very close team um and we definitely wanted to win for Lamar. I think that's another thing that's special about the team that year. Like, everyone wanted Lamar to win the Heisman. Like, we, <laughs> we, we may have wanted him to win the Heisman more than he wanted to win the Heisman. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so uh, I think that's just great. And that speaks volumes to the type of team we had. Well, you, you keep talking about the type of, type of team we had. Being the backbone of that defense, why don't you tell everyone kind of how you led? I got to experience it, you know, front and center. So – Tell everyone how D'Angelo Brown led that 2016 team. I really just try to lead by example, man. Try to get the things on time, uh, work hard, put in extra work. Um, and really just kind of lead by example. I try to be a guy that anybody could talk to, uh, whether you were there for three years or just got on campus. Um, I try to be like, you know, a help to any any young guy or any guy on the team. Um, and I think my teammates can attest to that as well. Um, I just try to really lead by example and do what I was supposed to do. And uh, hopefully guys follow behind. <laughs> we tried <laughs> we all can't beat d'angelo brown man i mean i want to ask him about the florida state week uh, game week prep leading up to that over on the offensive side i was on the scout defense and we had for a scout team wise we probably had the best week of practice that we had collectively uh throughout the year coach p had to stop practice and made us go live as a matter of fact because the offense was just messing up so bad off the stuff we were doing so for you guys on the defensive side what was that week leading up to that game like I think by far that was the best week of practice that we had that whole season guys were really locked in I remember uh I think it was a Tuesday after a Tuesday practice everybody met up at one of our uh rooms that we were staying at the whole defense and watched film after we just got done practicing and watching film I mean that just that just doesn't happen like guys could have went home and did their own thing but everybody was like no we're gonna come together we're gonna watch more tape uh, we're going to hang out. And I mean, I think that was by far was the best week of practice we had the whole season as a defense. For for you all, like, what did it take 
to amaze yourself. Like you all have for three or four years, you know, had the best of the best players. Like, what does that look like? Is it just flying to the ball at a different pace? Cause like, I, I was going to say, when we get to screenshot, we're going to talk about this, but it felt like you all were literally playing on like in, in like endless levels of turbo. You know, on Madden, you eventually run out if you use it too much. Like <laughs> yeah. it felt like you all just were like on turbo boost the entire time playing at a speed. I've never seen global play at. But what was it that would kind of indicate to you all, like we just gave, like this was our best week of practice? Because I would imagine for you, you've seen everything, you know, you've played with a lot of great guys. Can't imagine that week to week, it's hard to be like, well, that was the greatest week of practice I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I really think just when guys are, like you said, flying to the ball and more so when guys are just focused, man, uh, you, you're talking about 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. I mean, it's it's a whole lot of stuff going on off the field, but when guys mm-hmm. are, we're really locked in and, you know, really just asking questions and being in tune and meetings and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's without a doubt. You can tell, you know, when everybody's locked in and ready to go. And I just felt like that week guys were flying to the ball. Guys were playing hard. Guys were uh, getting off blocks. Uh, guys were knocking passes down. I mean, everybody was just doing what they're supposed to do on and off the field. So. Well, let me ask you this. And, you know, I didn't really notice any difference because I was, 18 years or 19 years old, 18, 19. And, you know, I'm young, I'm red shirt. And so I'm not really, you know, paying attention to the different practices and stuff. Compare that week of practice to the Houston week of practice where it seemed like everything for us kind of nosed up, took a nosedive. Yeah. I think uh, part of that was just, I mean, we played, if you remember, we played Wake Forest that Saturday. I think the game might have ended at what, like 10, 10 30 at night. Then we had to come back and practice the next day again. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to ask guys who just got to play a full game to come back the next day and have another padded practice. Yeah. You know, and, it was, and it's not the coach's fault or anything like that. We had a, a game to get ready for that. Yeah, Thursday. you just had to do it. Yeah, you just had to do it. I just, um, I just think that quick turnaround, and I really honestly believe just us looking at where they were ranking us, if you remember, I think they kept putting us like fifth in the college football playoffs instead of putting us in the top four. And I think guys were really, like, focusing in on that instead of just worrying about the game at hand. And uh, it obviously showed that that Houston week because we played terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's not it's not every, you know, week you run into a top 15 pick, you know, on a Thursday night on short rest with a team hungry to come in and prove themselves. And I think Louisville had – lost to Houston a year prior in 2015 too. I think I I can remember Lamar threw like three interceptions or something that game. So it was always interesting to see those, you know, those Houston battles and what they looked like. And obviously they got the best there, but then it just kept kind of snowballing right into Kentucky and then into the season. So did you guys feel it? Like, did you feel the air slowly leaking out of the room on the season? Or was it always like, if we just work a little harder and get, a, you know, grind a little bit more, we'll be right back to where we were, you know, pre-Clemson or, you know, before Houston, really? Uh, yeah, the, the air definitely deflated fast after that Houston <laughs> game. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, it, I mean, it was at that point, it was like, all right, well, we're not going to the playoffs. So it's like, what's, What's the point? You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And now it feels like, you know, so you know, a CEO coming and being like, no company raises this year. And everybody's yeah. like, all right, we'll see you later. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That definitely uh is, is how it went. I mean, obviously we wanted to beat Kentucky, should have beat Kentucky, but the game was bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit, you know it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just just guys weren't after that Houston game, guys just weren't locked in like they had been the whole season. I mean, it's hard. Don't get me wrong, it's hard to stay locked in for for 12 13 weeks in a football season it's not easy 
So, uh, I mean, it just, yeah, definitely after that Houston game, it was like, all right, well, good, good year. Yeah, especially since, I mean, man, it was, we were so close. We were really, really close. That Clemson game, I mean, just if, you know, quick, obviously, if he stays in bound, or even if they call that pass interference on Cole, yeah. you know, like that's, those are like two key plays. Like, man, what if, what would have happened? How would have, how would our see, would we have lost to Houston? Because we probably wouldn't have been paying that much attention to, you know, final four rankings and all that stuff. Yeah, that's true, man. All of that, uh, all of that plays a part for sure. I definitely think that Clemson game is the one that haunts me the most in my career for <laughs> sure, man. Uh, it, it's a lot of plays that we missed that, you know, wouldn't have got to some of those final plays that I think we could have avoided. But I mean, they're, they're a hell of a team. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely wish we could line it back man, up. That was the year. That was the year. Yeah. I think that game, like, probably eight times out of 10, I think we win that game. Like, oh, yeah. our, our, I mean, offensively, we were better than them. Defensively, you guys could go toe-to-toe with them every single, like, every single day of the week. So, I mean, really, it was just a toss-up kind of. And, yeah. I mean, shit, it was at Clemson. So, you know we're not getting any damn calls. How, how many times you get held that game, do you love? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Truth comes out now. now. On the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, post-Louisville NFL and then uh, into what you're up to now outside of football. I'm really excited to do that. We'll do screen share as well when we get back on the other side of the break here. But the one thing I, I do want to ask about to kind of end this segment off and to the, really kind of put the bow on top of it is to talk about throughout that 16 season, you know, obviously you're coming off of a dominant season the year prior. You're looking to, to you know, come back with your brothers and put together a special run. But I, was, I would imagine in the back of your head, you're focused on making sure that your stock is constantly going up for the NFL. Um, how much did that play a role into the season for you, if at all, in 16 and making sure that you didn't come back um, and hurt your stock more so than you did help it? Um, I think for me, it just was doing what I've always done and just continue to work hard. Uh, put in extra work. I was a guy that always would do an uh, extra cold tub, normal tech, you know, take care of my body. Um, just, I always felt like as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, you know, everything else will work itself out. So, um, yeah, see, that, I just thought you did that because you were old at the time. That, that, <laughs> my body was, was hurting. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> then, I, then I hit, you know, 22 and I'm like, man, it all makes sense now. They yeah. were be like, oh, they're treating it like a pro. They're treating, no, y'all are just old and y'all were hurting. Yeah. Very true. Very accurate. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. I said that was the last question. This is the last question. And I say that because we're working with Luke, uh, Luke Burgess and Madden Sanker, two Louisville offensive linemen now on a show called L and Eats, where we take them out to restaurants to try the great food of Louisville. So I got to ask you, what was your eating regimen as a 300 plus defensive lineman that moved like a, like a, like a dancer, like tell me what you ate and how you kept that body pristine to be able to do what you did. I will say this, after my sophomore year when I got into my major of exercise science, I actually ate very clean. I ate a lot, don't get me wrong, but I <laughs> ate very clean. Like, I ate a lot of vegetables, um, ate a lot of salmon, ate a lot of grilled foods. But on the weekends, whew, I'm not even going to lie to you. I don't know if y'all ever been to Saints in St. Matthews. You oh, know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you got to get the halo wings with the blue cheese. <laughs> you got to get you a pepperoni pizza and a buffalo chicken dip. That was my go-to after every game. Oh, my God. See, he likes blue cheese with his wings, Jacob. Don't be judging me. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. See, man. he's I, a blue I cheese. I don't judge people that can beat me up, dude. That's not how this works over <laughs> on this side. 
So he just does it to me virtually because he knows I'm not in the same room as him. No, but <laughs> I, I, sounds fired. But I would imagine to keep yourself moving. Like I'm not 300 pounds, but I I feel like I move like I'm 300 pounds. Not like you did when you were playing defensive line the the wrong way. But right. I I always am fascinated with what do defensive linemen who move like that eat? Like how do you eat that much and not just eat junk? You know, so it's really interesting. You bench 345 for like 20 times. Yeah, that's your sure workout. Burn, then you can go eat that shit. <laughs> burn 5,500 calories per practice uh, in sure. those shoulder pads and helmets. All right, on the other side, we will come back and we will do screen share. We're going to look at the 2016 Florida State Louisville game. We're going to get D'Angelo's uh, opinion in, in real time on what that game looks like. And then we'll talk about football after Louisville. We'll be right back on the other side. All right, we're back on the other side, and we are jumping into our favorite segment of the show here, Screen Share, where we watch highlights uh, with our guests of a, of a game, a big moment in their career. And today we get into the Wayback Machine and uh, go back into 2016 uh, in a game that I will never forget. I worked for iHeartRadio at the time, and I was out at the stadium at 3.30 in the morning with everyone lined up to get into college game day. D'Angelo, what was the morning like for you on uh, this day in September in 2000, or in October? in 2016 what did you all wake up uh you know what time what time did you get to the stadium how did that go for you and your college game day experience um it was really just a, a normal game day for us I mean we had our normal uh breakfast downstairs meetings uh car march at the stadium I mean just was a we treated it kind of like a normal game I think Coach Petrino definitely wanted to emphasize not uh getting into the hoopla as he would say <laughs> uh, so it's just, uh, I think he definitely wanted to keep us focused, which which he obviously did because we went out and did what we were supposed to do. So, yeah, did I definitely to... didn't wake up, you know, possibly hungover, you know, because I was red shirting and I wasn't going to play. So I could do that and, you yeah. know, enjoyed college game day a little bit from the couch and watch some TV of it. And then oh, I went well. to the stadium. There you go, man. All right, we'll dive in here. Like I said, this is a short one, a minute and 44 seconds. So we'll uh, we'll have some fun here. But Lamar Jackson, that was obviously the story coming into it because he had those two games against Charlotte and Syracuse. And you got number two, Florida State, DeAndre Francois. This is right after Jameis Winston. Uh, so big shoes to fill. The one defensive highlight they show is a touchdown, man. I can go back here. Uh, do you remember this one of the only touchdowns of the day? Do you remember? Do you man remember had, two, you. had two sacks in the game. You want to talk about that? The they one. double teamed him, man. Look at this. They gave him no chance. They double teamed him almost immediately. What do you remember this play right here? Uh, let's see. I actually do not. To be honest with you, I don't even remember him scoring a touchdown. I do not remember that. See, that's the I forgot about right that. I forgot about Johnny Richardson. I forgot about him on the uh, y'all had a squad that year too on the yeah. squad. Yeah, and again, it's a lot of offensive highlights, mostly with Lamar. Uh, this right here, though, man, this is a catch for a guy who never played football. This is what I'm talking about, right? You catch it between your knees while you, uh, when they show it again. It looks like he's pooping the way he's sitting. Just, I mean, you you couldn't do this again if you tried. Uh, but it was that type of day for you all. I mean, it really was. And then every hole opens up for Lamar. I mean, it was like, again, you, they were in quicksand, and you guys had extra turbo. I, I've never seen Louisville move with that speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I think this, this punt return is when we knew, like, all right, the game's over. It's, it's, it's a wrap. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that was definitely the best Sunday film session oh, of yeah. all time. That was so fun. Going into that one, man. 
<laughs> we couldn't wait to get to the stadium next Sunday. <laughs> Travion Samuel, what a blast from the past. I forgot about him until I was watching the highlights here. One of the guys I wish uh, I wish we could do over his career, man. Really would have been a nice fit. Uh, got the ball a little bit more. I don't know, D'Angelo, do you have any thoughts on you know the two sacks, your defensive performance? Obviously, the highlights here don't show you dominating the game like you did, but for Florida State to score as few points as they did, you all did your job and you did it really well. Were there any kind of big takeaways for what you all did to attack them? Uh, man, really just going into the game, our whole mindset was not just to to the win, but as a defense, our mindset was to dominate. I mean, we wanted to really shut uh, Dalvin Cook down. I really think we did that game. Um, I mean, that was the, our whole mindset going into the game. So I felt like that was one of the best games we played as a team that whole season, man. It was it was great. It was a great feeling. What does it feel like to have 50,000 people screaming and yelling? I know a lot of fans, a lot of football players here lately haven't gotten to feel like the full stadium packed. It's been a couple of years. What was that like, especially against in that game? Like, can you describe that feeling you get from the fan base? Oh, it's great, man. Our fans, uh, when we're winning, they're electric. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, when we, just back in those days, I mean, I think almost every game, uh, not almost every game, but most, a lot of our games were sold out. I mean, we had a lot of uh, people in the, sta- in the stands. Um, everybody was into the game. It was great. It was a great feeling. Uh, really made you feel good. What, who was... What was the first thing you noticed? Like, did you did you see like people start climbing the wall whenever they were flooding the field that game? Like immediately? When did you when did you start to notice that? Like, oh shit, we're having a moment here. Uh, probably when when I got like midway to the field, I'm like, oh shoot, people coming on the field. Like, <laughs> I've never seen that before in one of our games. I mean, I didn't. At first, I'm like, are they really about to do this? And then more and more people started coming. I mean, it was it was great, man. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, it was a great moment, something I'll never forget. It's, people always get hurt doing that too. Like we, when I this, I can't remember who we discussed it with. Maybe John, but I mean, I saw a lady break her ankle during that one, and then I saw somebody tear their ACL uh, oh whenever we be Wake Forest. Like, so people always get hurt doing that stuff. People that look, people that look like me, trying to do do athletic things, man. That's yep. what happens. That's when you when you when you don't have an athletic bone in your body, you tear your ACL trying to jump off of the wall into the <laughs> into the field. Let's talk about. Uh, after Louisville, obviously you go into 2016, as I mentioned, looking like an NFL draft prospect, a top 25 defensive tackle in the draft, which typically that puts you somewhere in the seven rounds. But what were workouts like? What was pro day like? You know, what was your kind of thoughts heading into the draft and what the outcome might be? Um, My mind was really just open to any situation, any scenario. Um, I saw a bunch of different things, you know, for me going this place, that place. But I really just tried to make sure that I was doing what I was supposed to do and letting everything else work out. Um, and just wherever I landed, just try to make the most out of whatever opportunity I, I got. Did you think, that, like, was it even a question that you were going to be drafted? Like, was there any thought going into that, that the scenario of seeing yourself fall out of the seven rounds? Uh, I definitely thought I was going to get drafted. Um, it wasn't a doubt in my mind that I was. I thought that I had a, a great career. Um, thought I played, had a great season, um, but that, that draft is, it's more to it than just that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they look at height, weight, speed and all that other stuff. And there's some things I just wasn't blessed with. I wasn't blessed to be six, three, six, four, and I don't run fast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but you can bench a house though. Let's let's not discredit you. I'm sure you still have that crazy, stupid strength that you had whenever we were in college. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm still still lifting, still very active. So uh, but yeah, man, everything worked out. I'm I'm happy with everything. So tell me about what it was like going into the, the Titans organization and, and going through the offseason and and how that process all played itself out to ultimately you deciding to to walk away from football. What what, what was that timeline like for you? Um, it was a great experience, man. I got to uh, play with and against some of the greatest athletes in the world. Um, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, I felt like I gave everything I had in every practice and every uh, preseason game that we played. So um, I don't have any regrets, man. It was it was a great time. Was it was it like when when you're going through you know camp in the offseason rookie camps? You know, did you feel pretty good about your your chances to be able to make a team, or was it you know always an uphill battle because of some of the intangibles that you mentioned? Obviously, there was no question. Your production was there. You've got the ability. You know, you've got some of the the things that you look for from a defensive lineman. But you did mention there were some things that they wanted that maybe you just couldn't offer. So did you did you know, or were you kind of feeling like you had the chance all along to continue to play? Oh, I definitely feel like I had a chance. I mean, I felt like I had a great camp. Um, I was very productive during camp. I made a lot of plays. Um, didn't really make a lot of mistakes, but just it's it's a numbers game, man. It's a, it's a numbers game. It's a money game. Uh, it's, it's just a lot more that goes into it than just being a good football player and stuff that's just really out of mind and a lot of, a lot of guys control. So I, transitioning from that, why don't you tell us about DB97 training and how that is, how you got started doing that, when you started doing that, and uh, what it's looking like now? So I started in 2018. Uh, actually, one of my teammates from the Titans, Carl Clue, his brother, um, does this in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was like, this man travels with a van and works people out. I said, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. I am <laughs> doing that when I get done playing football. And so when I got done, man, I moved back to Savannah. Um, I started off slow. I kind of wanted to grow my business with as my clientele base grew. And I mean, now I've got around 100 clients. Um, I trained some of the top high school recruits in the United States. I mean, it's it's a blessing, man. Uh, I train a lot of people from from older adults to kids. So I train a wide group of people. But man, it's just it's a blessing to work with a bunch of different people and just try to get them in shape. Man, so, so are you are you putting them through those coach uh, coach Madey workouts? Are you implementing more coach strong workouts? Are you mixing both of them? Are you giving the eighty year old grandma the same you know treatment that you're giving the seventeen year old kid? No, no, no. Grounds Grounds definitely not getting the Madey or strong. Workout. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I, I, I want to make money. I got like to. <laughs> But uh, no, my high school kids, they get after it, man. Um, they're working out with their high school, and after they get done with that, they come to me, and we get it in. Um, I train about – I thought I would say I've trained about six or seven kids that are definitely play Power 5 football. Um, I'm just happy to be a mentor to them and try to, you know, share my experiences with them and, you know, help guide them and get them ready. Man, what a what a life that is. So you get a you get an average Joe like me, right? And I want to I, I come to you and I say to Angela, man, I want to be ready to play uh, in an adult football seven on seven league. And I want to be, you know, the Lamar Jackson of this league. I, I You got five months. Can you get me there, man? Like, can you get me to be able to not not saying let me be Lamar Jackson, but could you get me <laughs> an average Joe in shape and ready to play football? I was about to say, I'm going to be up for an honest with you. 
<laughs> anywhere close to Lamar Jackson is a hell no. But <laughs> I will do my best to get you in good shape. So <laughs> that would that would be all I got for you. Oh my! So what's what's kind of the stuff that you have in the van, man? Like what uh, what kind of equipment and stuff does that consist of? Is there any in band workouts or anything like that? You know, close the door, arm farm, extra sweat or whatever. Man, I've got everything. So I've got racks like squat racks in there i've got bars i've got dumbbells that go up to 100 pounds i've got medicine balls uh battle ropes plates like everything a gym would have except for uh cardio equipment and machines i have so uh man it's really cool i set up at parks and my clients that i train in home i'll set up at their house i mean i'll set up and i'll set up just like a gym and we get after it um it's, it's really good i enjoy it that's wild that's i mean Jacob, I don't know about you, man, but that seems like a pretty cool career path to go down. And what what made you so that guy from the Titans was kind of what inspired you to go down the training route? I, I mean, what was your degree at Louisville? My degree was exercise science. Initially, I wanted to uh, be the physical therapist. Uh-huh. Uh, Coach actually got me a internship with one of the top physical therapy places in Louisville. Oh, so he does um, nice things. Yeah, yeah. He did, <laughs> he did a lot of good things. For us. I won't lie. He did a lot of nice uh, things for, for me, I, I should say. Um, but, uh, I wanted just to go a different route. Um, and I always like, I loved working out. I love helping people. So, um, that's definitely something I wanted to get into. So, where, where are you at now? You know, you were at 300 pounds whenever you were playing, I doubt you're, you know, moving around at 300 something again still, or are you, man, I'm 255 right now. Oh my man. gosh, that makes me feel like a fat ass. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go hit the treadmill after this podcast, guys. I'm done drinking beer for like a month, and uh, yeah, I need somebody. I need a dietitian now. Yeah, yeah, man. It it definitely was a hard transition being somebody who ate a lot of uh, Saints wings and Saint Matthew. <laughs> it was tough. Y'all, y'all think I'm joking? Saints has the best, some of the best wings I have ever had. Oh my god, that's incredible, man! That's incredible. It's funny that you say that, and that's a great transition into the last segment of the show here, the rapid fire questions. That was one of my first questions: is what was your favorite spot to eat? But we can go ahead and take that one off of here because you've answered that one with a resounding: it's Saints and, and St. Matthews. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll start here. What is and this might want this might be a little bit of a of a silly question or a far one out there, and it might take a little bit. But what what fan base or what was the funniest smack talk or chant you heard to either your team or to yourself as a player when you all would go out on road trips? Ooh, uh, that's a tough question. I mean. You talking about on the field or off the field? Either one, man. Because, I mean, obviously nowadays, right, it's L's down everything with Kentucky. That's what the guys see everywhere. But I wasn't sure with Lamar or with Teddy, you know, if there was, you know, back in the day, it used to get heated with the West Virginias and the Cincinnati's, you know, the Miami fans even coming up here and getting a little rowdy. But I would imagine that some fans probably talk some crap to you all uh, along the way. Oh, yeah, they they definitely did. I would definitely say the, the lame L's down thing was probably <laughs> – the, the most memorable uh just i don't understand why they think we care that they're throwing the l's down <laughs> it's, it's just so stupid to me but probably probably that probably that for sure okay so who was the one offensive lineman that you hated going up against in college uh definitely john miller uh it's, oh, without wow. a doubt dude was just as strong as me it was we we had some battles he was he was good 
If you could go back, I know you you mentioned a couple earlier, but if you could get one mulligan for a game at your little in your little career, what game would you reverse the outcome? Not Clemson or Houston. Oh, see, that's a that's a tough one, man. Because yeah, I mean, yeah. he only, lo- he only lost on. like two other career Caveat. games. <laughs> All right, you, well, took, you took my number one choice. Oh, uh, I would probably say Florida State. My uh, my sophomore year. I think we were up like 21 to seven at halftime. And yeah, I don't, man, I don't know what happened. We just Jameis Winston happened, man. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I but stand I, by that's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen from a quarterback, besides Lamar, of course. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, it was incredible. Him and Dalvin Cook. But hey, you got, you had mentioned like in 2016 when we got to shut Dalvin Cook down because in the second half of that game, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was insane. It was insane. What, what's the funniest phrase? Uh, either your position coach, Coach P, or Charlie, use that you remember. <laughs> it's a lot, but I don't know if I can say them on air. Yes, you can. You can. <laughs> no, I am the I'm the boss here, man. Say whatever you want. Uh, actually, it was Coach. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember Coach Sean Watson. Uh, he was there my freshman year. I think he was the officer coordinator. Mm-hmm. I think uh, something happened. He just walked upstairs with this calm look on his face. And I, I won't say the word. He just looked at everybody. He was like, so it's F me, huh? <laughs> F me. He's like, what is she talking about? <laughs> He's talking about something that happened at practice. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, know, I will never forget that. It just was so funny. <laughs> That's great. All right, man. As a, as a big guy, I would have to imagine, or at least I hope that in that bag, you got a go-to celebration. So when you're getting a sack or you're scoring a big man touchdown, what's the go-to move? Uh, Just... I just always go crazy and then I will regret it because I'd be more tired than I was before I did. I'm like, why am I doing all this moving? Just go back to the huddle. He's such, uh, a, big, he's such a big guy. Yeah. That, is, that is total big man energy right there. Yeah. <laughs> Getting tired celebrating. I can I feel like me and all 500 of my, my chubby friends can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Definitely. Uh, definitely was the fist pump or just, you know, talking trash or something like that. Then I was like, why did I just do that? Now I just, I just wasted breath. <laughs> favorite, uh, last one, favorite college road trip. Ooh, um, I would say probably, uh, I would say probably the bowl game my senior year when we played LSU, mainly because that was my last. That was college college. Game. Yeah. Last time with, with my teammates, last college football game ever. So, it was very memorable. I remember a lot of my friends from Savannah came up and got to watch me play in my last game. So definitely that one for sure. That game was wild. I mean, Jamal Adams could cover the entirety. I was telling Jacob, they could have played like 10 on 11 on the offense and, and they would have been fine because Jamal was just covering sideline to sideline literally the entirety of the game. Oh, yeah. He was floating. Got that was the Darius Guys Creaky game too. Remember that one? Yeah, man. Yeah, that was that was yeah, that was a fun trip though. We had a great time that week. They had the yeah. Lazy River, remember? That was awesome. Yeah. That was a hit with the guys. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah man. That was, <laughs> that was basketball. Fun. Y'all had some intense basket. You know damn well I wasn't getting in that shit. But y'all had some intense water basketball games that week too. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was fun, man. We had a good time for sure. Yeah. Man, incredible stuff. Well, that's the trip down memory lane. Where are they now with D'Angelo Brown? D'Angelo, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, and, and for the folks in Savannah, man, I, I might, I don't know. I need to get on Zillow and get it, look at the listings. Cause I need to, I need DB 97, man. I need to get back into the best shape of my life. I need that right now. Uh, but, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. And, and uh, best of luck to you, uh, with everything you got going on, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Vince, good to see you, man. Yeah. Good seeing you too, bro.
Yes, sir. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.